Thank you. Good morning. Um, just to say as well, this evening we've got a baptism service, and, which is very exciting. So we've got six people getting baptized. Um, so you can come here from 6.30 for coffee, and we will kick things off at 7. So it's going to be a good week to double up on and, and celebrate with these, those guys what God has done for them. Great. Well, this morning um, we are continuing our, our series looking through the book of Daniel, and we've called it Exiles and Ambassadors. And basically what we're looking at is how we, as ambassadors of Christ, can have a godly influence and impact on the world around us wherever we go. And I just want to pray for us because I really believe that, um, that uh, God is on this morning and he wants to speak to us and provoke us and do a bit of pruning and so I just encourage us, let's, let's pray together. I want to encourage you to open your heart to what God wants to do. So Father, we thank you that we have the privilege of being here together. We thank you that you are always good, that you are doing amazing things in our lives, in this town, this nation, the nations of the world, that you are in charge and your kingdom is advancing. And we just thank you, Father, for the privilege of being able to get caught up in what you're already doing. And Father, we pray this morning that as we look at your word, that you would speak to our hearts, that it would be alive to us, uh, and that we would leave here different as a result of what you do in our hearts this morning. We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, I, I always knew that in the book of Daniel that there was this really bizarre story, really bizarre moment when King Nebuchadnezzar who was the, the super leader of the day, who was incredibly wealthy, incredibly powerful, ruling an empire, uh, when he was made to lose his mind and live like a beast for seven years because he refused to give glory to God. And I knew, always knew that that kind of very bizarre scenario was in Daniel 4. Uh, to my horror, I realized when I looked at this chapter I'm preaching on this morning, that it happens to land in chapter 4, which I'm going to be talking about. And when I read it, I thought, God help me. How am I going to get anything out of this really bizarre scenario of a king losing his mind for seven years and living like an animal? Well, you'll be pleased. You, don't, you guys don't, don't look sympathetic enough for me. I'm, I'm sharing my heart. You're like... Whatever, I could, I could do that. Um, what I've realized is, fortunately, God is good and loves to speak through his word. And uh, as I've been preparing, I really believe God has spoken and that this is actually a very timely and prophetic message. And I feel like there's going to be some really helpful things we can learn from Daniel, particularly about how we can be ambassadors when we are around and faced with ungodly authority and leadership. And so that's what we're going to look at today. And uh, I'm just going to tell you, first of all, the story of chapter 4. I'm not going to read it out to you, but I'm going to tell you what happens in chapter 4. So King Nebuchadnezzar, or as, or as Simon called him last week, King Neb, is hanging out in his palace. He's having a great time. He's ruling his empire. He's incredibly wealthy, incredibly powerful. But one night when he goes to bed, as he's asleep, he has a dream that terrifies him. And in the dream, what happens is this. He sees a, a, a huge tree in the middle of the earth. And the tree grows and gets stronger and stronger. And, and uh, the leaves are amazing and the fruit is abundant. And it gets so high that it reaches to the heavens and it spreads out so wide that can, it can be seen from far away. And animals come to find shelter underneath the tree and birds fly into the tree and, and go on its branches and live on its branches and it provides food for everyone. But then what happens is a messenger comes down from heaven and commands that the tree should be chopped down. He says, chop down the tree. 
that, that, that its branches should be cut off, that its leaves should be stripped, and that its fruit should be scattered so that all the animals and the birds would flee away. And the messenger says to leave the stump of the tree in the earth, but to bind it up with a band of iron and bronze. And the messenger says that the tree, the man who is represented by this tree, should be, should be given the mind of a beast and live like a beast for seven years so that all the people who see it and he himself realize that God is actually in charge of all the kingdoms of the world. And then King Nebuchadnezzar wakes up and he's terrified. And he calls in his wise men and all the magicians and tells them the dream, but they don't know what it means. They can't interpret the dream. And then he calls for Daniel. And Daniel comes in, and the king shares the dream with Daniel, and Daniel immediately knows what the dream means. He immediately gets the interpretation of what this dream means, but he's reluctant to share the interpretation with the king because he knows it's not good news. But the king pleads with him, says, tell me what it means, and he begins to unpack for the king what the dream means, and this is what he tells him, that the tree does in fact represent King Nebuchadnezzar. He's grown strong, he's grown big, his influence is great, people can see him from all over the place, how strong he is, but that the rest of the dream is representative of judgment that God is going to bring upon Nebuchadnezzar because of his pride and because he is not acknowledging God as the king of the whole earth. And he goes on in Daniel 4.25 to say this, You will be driven from human society, and you will live in the fields with the wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow, and you will be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way, until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses." but the stump and roots of the tree were left in the ground. This means that you will receive your kingdom back again when you have learned that heaven rules. King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. That's what Daniel says to the king. And God actually gives the king 12 months to heed Daniel's advice and to humble himself. But sadly, the king chooses not to do that. And so what ends up happening is that God humbles the king. And what's prophesied in the dream actually comes true. The king is taken out of his kingship for seven years and he lives like an animal. So I'm going to pause there in the story and say this. It is unlikely that many of us in this room are ever going to come face to face, personally, with proud and ungodly royalty rulers, political leaders, people of this nature, like David, who had a face to face contact with this, with this very, very powerful king. It's unlikely that many of us are going to be in a situation where we're going to be face to face with proud and ungodly royalty or world leaders. But that doesn't mean we don't still need to know what our responsibility looks like as ambassadors from a distance. We still have responsibility as ambassadors of Christ from a distance. What is incredibly likely is that many of us in this room will come face to face with ungodly authority and leadership in our workplaces or with colleagues who are living for themselves, who aren't honoring God with their decisions or their choices or their behavior, managers who are ungodly and proud in their leadership, 
it's very likely that we're going to come face to face with those kind of people around us. And we need to understand what does it look like for us to be ambassadors in those situations, to represent God. And I think there's a few lessons we can learn from Daniel and his response to the king when it comes to what it looks like to be ambassadors in those situations. So you guys ready? The first thing I think we can learn is this, that an ambassador's response is genuine love, not lip service, not lip service. Genuine love, not lip service. Daniel's initial response to the king after he'd heard the dream and understood what it meant totally blew me away when I first read it. I found it quite staggering that his response was this. I wish the events foreshadowed in this dream would happen to your enemies, my lord, and not to you. That was Daniel's first response when he, when he heard the dream and he understood this meant judgment for the king. His response was, I wish this dream was not about you, but it was about your enemies. I find that staggering because Nebuchadnezzar was far from the perfect king. You know, Nebuchadnezzar had built this empire. He was incredibly powerful, incredibly wealthy, but he took all the glory for himself. It was all about him. He looked out on his empire and thought, I did all this. He was proud. He was arrogant. He was not giving any glory to God. On top of that, Daniel was interpreting the dream as an exile. He had been ripped out of his home, ripped away from his family, from everything that he knew was familiar, and put in this place where he didn't really want to be. And on top of that, Daniel's three mates, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if you remember the story from last week that Simon shared, in the previous chapter, the king had tried to kill them all by chucking them in a fiery furnace. You could, you could forgive Daniel for having a little bit of a different response to what we read about here in verse 19, couldn't you? I mean, as I was preparing, I kind of put myself in Daniel's shoes. And I thought, how would I respond if I had been Daniel, if, if I had been taken into captivity by a king and seen him rule and he came to me and shared this dream with me and I understood that this meant this king was going to get some judgment, how would I respond in that situation? And I knew very quickly that my, my default response would not have been, I wish this dream was about your enemies and not about you. I can tell you that my default response would have been something a bit more like, yes! Come on! Finally, you're going to get what you deserve. God's taken you out of the picture. Come on, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Can anybody relate? When Daniel told the king that he wished his dream was about his enemies and not about him, that wouldn't have just been lip service. It wouldn't have been Daniel's underhanded way to say the right thing so that he didn't lose favor with the king. And in the inside, he's thinking, yes, he's genuinely responding out of love in his heart for the proud king, of wanting the best for him. And what we see modeled here is Daniel models to us the response of an ambassador, the response of someone who is representing God and his kingdom. You see, as, as ambassadors of Christ, you and I have the privilege of representing Jesus wherever we go. We get to demonstrate to the people we meet what the Father is really like. 
through the words we say, through the words we choose not to say, through the way we behave and we interact with other people, even through the way we post stuff on, on social media or choose not to. We are representing the Father wherever we go. And the truth is that the Bible tells that, us that God, at the core of who he is, is a God of love. And that the love that God has is a love that's unconditional and steadfast. And as ambassadors, we have the privilege of demonstrating the unconditional and steadfast love of God to other people, to ungodly world leaders, to ungodly managers, when it's easy, but maybe more importantly, when it costs us something. I was talking to a friend of mine just as I've been preparing who works in the healthcare sector, and recently her managers have asked her to take on responsibility that is really just totally ridiculous. I mean, they want her, essentially they want her to fix something that they've made a mess in. They've given her a time period and they're asking her to do it on her own. They're not even giving her a team of people to help her fix the mess. It's totally unreasonable and it's totally undoable. And my friend has said to them, you know, this isn't going to be possible, I'm not going to be able to do this. And when she's done that, they very quickly shut her down. So basically, they're also, not only are they asking us to do this unreasonable stuff, they're also taking her voice away. And when my friend told me this, my immediate default response was one of feeling very feisty on behalf of my friend. You can't imagine it, can you? <laughs> I felt very feisty on behalf of my friend, and I felt angry at her managers and the bad leadership they were demonstrating. I think it was God's grace that I was preparing this preach at the time, because what popped into my head was Daniel's response to the corrupt king. And I felt provoked to adjust my response, to not just feel love in my heart for my friend, but also to connect with God's love for the people who are making her life difficult right now. I'm not talking about loving their behavior, and I'm not talking about loving their leadership. What I'm talking about is loving them. Because the truth is this, behind the bad leadership and behind the ridiculously high expectations, if you get all of that stuff out of the way, there's a person. And that person has been molded and crafted together by God in his image and his likeness. And because of that, they are deserving of inherent value. How are we doing at demonstrating God's love to those around us? To colleagues who are difficult to work with because of their arrogance, to managers who put ridiculous demands on us that aren't achievable and then take all the glory for themselves, for world leaders. How are we doing at seeing these people through the Father's eyes? At seeing them as those who have been crafted and molded together by God, and made as an image and in his likeness. The response of an ambassador, the default response of an ambassador, is to love, because that is what the one we're representing is like. I think the second thing we can learn from Daniel when it comes to our response as ambassadors to ungodly leadership or authority is this, 
the ambassadors are first and foremost looking for someone to come to repentance rather than to see them from, removed from a position or place of power. The default response of an ambassador is to want to see come, someone come to repentance rather than being removed. After Daniel had interpreted King Nebuchadnezzar's dream, communicating what was going to happen to him, he said this, King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning. Do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. In other words, Daniel exhorts the king to come to a place of repentance, to humble himself and begin to give honor and glory to God so that the judgment that was about to come on him didn't have to happen and he could keep prospering. That's shocking. That's the heart of an ambassador. And of course, if as an ambassador we're representing our father, that makes sense because he is passionate about everyone coming to a place of repentance. 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. That's what our Father's like. When we are patient with people's repentance, we represent our Father. I'm not saying it's easy. I was remembering back to when I was a teacher uh, upper school here in Bedford and uh, we had a, a, a guy join our department who let's just say um, I didn't really click with that would be the polite way of saying it I'd, we didn't really click um, I found him incredibly difficult to work with I found him arrogant and unprofessional and you know it felt to me like um, he was trying to just win friendship with the kids rather than really teach them and do the whole discipline thing and and I think it just meant that it meant that stuff came up that didn't really need to come up if he'd been dealing with it in a better way and uh, my head of department and he would clash quite regularly um, over this kind of stuff and at one point he even filed a complaint over my immediate boss which just caused masses of issues it was a nightmare it was an absolute nightmare. Now, when I heard the news that the school were in the process of working out how they could remove this person from our department, I didn't just do a dance on the inside. <laughs> I was very vocal with anyone and everyone who would listen how excited I was about the fact that this guy might be taken out of the picture. My heart wasn't that he would come to a place of repentance. My heart was that he would be removed and as quickly as possible. I wasn't really thinking like an ambassador at that point. Because the reality is, guys, we have got such an opportunity as ambassadors to see people's lives transformed as we connect with God's heart for them. And I believe that there is a load of grace available for us this morning that God wants to pour out upon us to help us to be better equipped to represent God wherever we find ourselves. And the other thing to notice in this passage is that Daniel doesn't just do nothing. He doesn't interpret the king's dream and then nip off and that's it. He just kind of leaves it there. No, no. Daniel actually, because of the love in his heart for the king and his desire to see the king repent, 
He speaks out and he challenges the king's behavior and he exhorts him to humble himself and to come to a place of repentance. He says to him, you know, stop sinning, change your treatment of the poor. And as ambassadors of Christ, it's sometimes right that we also speak out and we challenge the ungodly behavior that we see and we exhort people to repent and to change the way they're doing things. You know, the friend I told you about who's in the healthcare sector, um, I'm so proud of her because she is speaking out. She's not just letting her managers dictate to her and her not, okay, I'll just do whatever. She's being very honest and vocal and saying, guys, this isn't going to happen. What you're asking me to do is not going to be possible. She's being very clear about it in a way that is godly and honoring and loving, and she's doing the best to keep her heart in a good place. I'm proud of her. She's she's being an ambassador in her workplace through doing that. As As ambassadors, it's important that we do speak out. We don't just keep our mouths shut, that we do challenge and confront situations and people in person. Notice that, in person, with a foundation of love in our hearts and a desire to see them come to repentance. But it's important that we use our words to release life and not to bring death. Proverbs 18.21 tells us that death and life is in the power of the tongue. You guys, we need to realize that the words we speak are incredibly powerful. And the words we speak are either going to release life or they're going to bring death. So it's important as ambassadors that we do speak out, that we do challenge, we do confront, but that we don't criticize, expose, or humiliate people. It's important that we don't use our words to criticize, humiliate, expose people to their faces, to other people, or on social media. It doesn't represent our father when we do that. That's not what he's like. That's not what he thinks. It's important that we don't just challenge in order to get things off our chest and get our own back. but that we do it because we want people to change and for their own sake, for them to come to repentance. And I think the other thing we can do when we're faced with ungodly leadership or people operating out of pride around us who aren't honoring God, whose decisions are affecting other people and it's not okay, the other thing we can do is we can pray. We can pray. You know, in this story, God gave King Nebuchadnezzar one year, 12 months, to heed Daniel's advice. He gave him a period of 12 months to humble himself and repent and begin to give God the glory. And there's nothing recorded in Scripture about what happens in that period of time, but I think one thing we can be sure of is that Daniel would have been praying. You see, Daniel was a Jew, and the Jewish law said that Jews should pray three times a day. Once in the morning, once in the afternoon, and once in the evening. So we can be sure that Daniel would have been praying. And I'm pretty sure that he would have been praying for the king, that the king would heed his advice, would listen to the warning in the dream, and come to a point of humbling himself, of repenting before God, so that he could step into all that God had called him to. Not so that he would be removed and taken out of the picture, but he would get to a place of humbling himself. 
And the reality is our prayers are powerful and effective. When we pray, stuff happens. People's lives get turned around. We've got such an opportunity, guys, when you think about your prayers and how powerful they are to impact our workplaces, to change the trajectory of people's lives, to impact the nations. That's why I think Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 2, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who, on, and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Saviour who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Wow. You know, God has been really challenging me over the last few weeks as I've been preparing this, particularly in light of what's been going on in the States, about my response as an ambassador to that situation. And, you know, this, I don't know about you, when I look on, on, online and on websites and I listen to stuff, there is so much media coverage about what's going on in America. I don't even know what's true and what's not true anymore. Anyone? I don't even know what's true and what's not true anymore. There's so much stuff going on. And the reality is I could put my opinion on social media and join with the myriad of other opinions that are going around, but the reality is this. I would be writing about someone I don't really know. I would be writing about someone I don't really know. You know, in an ideal world, I would love to sit and have a coffee with some of these world leaders. I would love to sit over a coffee with them and ask them some questions and find out what is behind the public facade. Who are you really? What's going on in your heart? How are you feeling? What is happening? What is going on for you on the inside? That's unlikely to happen. Not going to happen. But that doesn't mean I don't still have a, a role to represent God and be, and be an ambassador for him from a distance. The answer is not just to do nothing. The answer is also not to join with the criticism. The answer is to pray. The answer is to pray. See, what we can do as ambassadors is we can cut through all the rubbish of the behavior we disagree with, the choices that are being made that we disagree with, we can cut through all that and we can go directly to the one who knows exactly what's going on, who knows the truth, who understands every bit of intricacy of what the truth is. When there's so much confusion, we get to go directly to him and pray to him and call on him that he would have his way that he would break in, and that when, where world leaders may need to repent and humble themselves, that God would encourage them and motivate them to do that. Such an opportunity. How are we doing at praying for people in authority? The answer is not for us to wash our hands. We can make a massive difference with our prayers. At the end of this story, sadly, Kim Nebuchadnezzar doesn't heed Daniel's advice, and he doesn't repent. He doesn't humble himself. And so he gets the much worse op option, which is God humbling him. Notice, God has got it. 
ultimately God has got it. Just as an aside, it is a much better option to humble yourself than to have God humble you. Which is why when we pray for people, we pray that God would motivate them to humble themselves. The judgment comes upon the king. He loses his mind. He lives like an animal for seven years. But at the end of the seven years, everything flicks on its head again. It's amazing. Daniel 4:34. This is Nebuchadnezzar writing. It says, after this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven. That's a breakthrough right there. Looked up to heaven. My sanity returned and I praised and worshipped the Most High and honoured the one who lives forever. When my sanity returned to me, so did my honour and glory and kingdom. My advisers and nobles sought me out and I was restored as head of my kingdom, get this, with even greater honour than before. Really? What's that about? Surely takes him away. No, no, with even greater honor than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and glorify and honor the king of heaven. That's why. That's why there's even greater honor than before. Now I, praise and glorify and honor the king of heaven. All his acts are just and true, and he is able to humble the proud. Isn't that amazing? What I love about this is that God's ultimate motivation in humbling Nebuchadnezzar was not to take him out of the picture. It wasn't to remove him from his place of position or influence. His primary motivation for temporarily moving the king from his kingship was that so that ultimately he could become the best version of himself. So that he could be restored to everything he had before and some because now God is at the center. It was about restoration and multiplication. And as ambassadors of God, our love for people and our desire to see them come to repentance where they're not living in a way that honors God or glorifies God shouldn't be so that we can see them removed or even see them stay where they are, but so we can see them become the best versions of themselves. And that is only possible when God is at the center and they are giving all the glory to him. That should be our motivation as ambassadors. Not that people are removed. God has got that. But that people would come to a place of repentance, humbling themselves before him, giving all the glory to him so they can enjoy life in all of its fullness. How are we doing at representing the king? Representing the father? Loving people? Genuine love in our hearts, not just saying the right things, but genuine love of wanting people to come to repentance rather than being removed so that people can be restored and have stuff multiplied to them because God is at the center.